Welcome to the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. This is Amber. Welcome to the TriTech Games Podcast. Your podcast of finding out what crazy things can happen when you least expect it. This week, we're doing Winging It. What do you do when things go crazy and things that you ex- weren't expecting to happen happen? And your adventure was not designed for this. And I don't know, Captain, if she can take any more. Peter? Yeah, I'm, we always get stuck at some point in our DMing career, or ga- game mastering career, where we don't know what we're doing with the adventure. And this can be from any number of factors. It can be, say, a spontaneous game. So you and your friends are hanging out, and all of a sudden the idea to play a game comes up, or someone calls you... Uh, on a night when you have nothing to do and they say, hey, let's get together and do a game and but you don't have anything to plan. So that's one way for uh, for you to have a, a wing in it night. Uh, you could also have uh, an unanticipated event. So something could happen in your adventure that changes everything. Say, for example, uh, you've set up the adventure to where there's a guide and uh, he's going to lead them through the adventure and somebody gets paranoid and shoots him and now you have to change the entire adventure because now they can't do what you had planned for them to do and then there's unprepared situations and an unprepared situation uh, and John will probably speak on this uh, because we we talked about this pre-show is where your group of players start asking questions about something that you hadn't prepared for and the adventure takes a different turn you can't just tell them well no no I don't don't have that planned out Uh, we're not going to do that uh, you have to go with it as a good game master. So uh, those are going to be my three main topics. And, of course, we will tangent off of those, I'm sure. But uh, let's start with a spontaneous night. So you and your friends are together for whatever reason, and it's 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 an unplanned event. You, you hadn't planned on having an adventure. This could also be it's your game night, and for whatever reason, you haven't had time to plan. Or your GM got hit by a car. Right, or your, right, somebody else has to GM. Well, they, they went down the stairs and broke their foot. Ankle. Technically <laughs> leg. <laughs> leg, okay. Sorry. So, uh, so, so here you are. You have to do an adventure, and you are completely unprepared. So what do you do? You know, where, where do you go with this? Now, of course, we can't speak to campaign-specific things because there's all kinds of genres, all kinds of campaigns. But, you know, we'll speak in general terms or we can, we can even go down the path of one and you can interpret from there. As a matter of fact, maybe that's a good way to go. Let's say you're playing Bureau 13. You have one of these spontaneous nights. Your buddies get together or maybe it's just you and a friend get together and you're going to do a game. You're the game master and your, your buddy says, oh, okay, so my character shows up and what happens? So it's action. What do you do as a game master? You know, I mean, how do you just come up with some crazy event? You can't flounder, or else that's there's really no point in, in, in game mastery. You can't say, 
well, what do you do? Well, what do you do? Well, what happens? Well, what does he say? You have to spice it up with something. You have to give them a direction to go in. What is it? One of the authors always said, when you get stuck in a story, kill somebody or uh, start some kind of conflict of some kind. So somebody gets punched or somebody gets killed. or So you could always start your adventure there and then let it organically generate from that point. So uh, I'm going to put Bruce on the spot. So Bruce, you're, you're my player. I'm the guest GM, right? Or let's say you're the guest GM. You're the guest GM. Okay. Well, what I would do is I would open up issue number two of Terror Watch, the Bureau 13 newsletter that came out some time ago, and I would turn to the article by J.P. Withers talking about how to make adventures on the fly. Oh, look at that. Okay. It's a really good article, and I think I'll take it and photocopy it and put PDF it together, maybe put it up on our site. But in essence, the idea was that you take that very nice list of monster encounters that's in Bureau 13. They're numbered 1 to 100 very conveniently. And you get yourself a a, a set of 100-side dice, percentile dice, and you roll it twice. And you take two of those monsters and you mash them together. And you say, okay, we're going to do this with these two different monsters and that's going to cause a whole lot of things like red herrings and misinterpreted clues it's just it's just to get your mental juices going. How do I make these two monsters fit together? And when I say monsters, it also includes like rabid bikers, cults, and other things like that. In addition to your standard, um, you know, unicorns and uh, uh, triceratops. So you know you can have anything together. So you take those two and you say, okay, that's my kernel point. And then you take a, another die and you roll on another table he has, which says, where's it taking place? Urban. Uh, rural, wilderness, okay, and then and you just basically, t- you know, by using his little system, you can put together a quick adventure, you know, that can be done fairly simply. It also helps if you go into the book and you use all those templates that are in the back of the Bureau 13 manual, like small town, city block, other things like that, and use those to help lay out a quick map of where the situation is going to happen. That's actually an awesome idea. And and even if, let's say you don't have this file, you know, let's say Bruce does not upload the file or or you don't, you know, you forget to bring it with you or you don't have access to the internet or whatever. Um, you could just do that. You know, you could just pick a monster out of your head, you know, say, hmm, I'm going to do vampire and Frankenstein, you know, so you have a blood sucking ghoul or blood sucking meat puppet. Then you just pick a location. And for that matter, you could, you could even open, let's, Grab your phone book, open up your phone book, or uh, go into Google Maps and just randomly pick a location. The phone book is one of the techniques listed in that article about getting names for people that sure. you don't know, you know, that you just need to grip some. Just start flipping through, grabbing names, and that's all your NPCs. John, what do you would you like to add anything to that? Or When I improvise, uh, sometimes I, I'll do the same thing. I will, you know, like for Bureau 13, I'll make that roll. But say I'm not playing Bureau 13, say I'm running Fringeworthy. First of all, if I'm running like a, game, a campaign, I know where my players are last last time, and I also know what they were what they were doing, what they were looking for to do last time, and I would probably just use that as a jumping off point to uh, investigate the you know, little side branches we didn't touch. Right. Say we decided we we were going to play the Hardware Hinterland. That one's a bit more open because we don't actually have encounter tables for that game. 
So that one requires me to get a little more inventive. I have got a bunch of tools for like creating story ideas. I use something called story cubes that give you a bunch of cubes and you can interpret them for a story, like you know, reading tarot cards. Heck, tarot cards work as well. If it was me, John, I would say right off the bat, okay, we're going to go to a brand new environ. Yep. Because that way you don't have to worry about making anything link with anything else that's existing. You just have to grab a new environ they've never been to and say, oh, guess what's there? You didn't know this, did you? Oh, yeah, there's several unexplored environments right in the book. So we just, you're going to there. And the number one method of getting to that environment, considering you're in the hardware hinterland, is the unexpected storm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Fringeworthy can do that too. You can be on the pathway and you can get hit with a fringe storm and, and what, what they call uh, any, any, uh, any port in the storm. So you run through whatever door is open. And yep. then that's where the game master can say, all right, you run through that door, and this is what happens. And if you don't want them running back out, you can put the time delay on it, and now they're stuck there. Uh, but going back to Bureau 13, another source I would use is, is the adventure books that I put out, that uh, Tritech put out, like haunts. I would just go grab the haunts generator and make a haunting at that point, you know, and wing it from there. Hey, you know, um, I was thinking another thing you can do, talking about using resources from other games, if you've ever played the Marvel Saga with the cards, mm-hmm. those cards have a lot of information on them. They always have some kind of um, a phrase on them, you know, like um, collateral damage or whatever, and then they, they have a, a supervillain on it, or a superhero on it, rather. And then, you know, there's several different pieces of information on that card, well, the thing that always struck me is something you can use for that sort of thing is you could, if you had one of those decks, you could pull that out and pull out three cards and pick the situations off of them that you want to use. So, for example, like the one I said, collateral damage, you know, you could start your adventure out with that. You know, you're walking down the street and a car smashes through a building and people are hurt and let's say one of the people on your team is a, a medic. And then you look at one of the other cards and it says, uh, I don't know, infectious disease. So the guy driving the car died because he had some kind of disease and he's smashing the building and now you got to quarantine the area. You know, I mean, just that kind of thing can, can build really quickly off of just very simple, basic ideas. Any other kind of game, especially sometimes I can say with Harder Hinterland, there's, uh, there's online sources that generate plot hooks. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of them out there. One I actually kind of like because it's, it's the one site I hate going to, but when I go to, I can always find good stuff. TV Tropes Plot Generator. Oh, yeah, okay, right. Yeah, they actually have a plot generator where they, you can generate a plot, or, and also characters. You can generate characters based on based on standard tropes. It's a great little uh, time waster. Now you got to remember, you're going to use it to generate a plot, and not spend the next six hours finding, you know, chasing down all the all the links. So, Trav, what do you um? You've been stuck in this situation before. Usually, what I'll do for like fringe worthy is I'll think of a couple of cultures in the past and try to, you know, and I'll just run through cultures in my head, you know, of different eras until I come up with a decent mix. Like, okay, Irish and Aztec. And I'll just try to figure out, okay, what aspects would go well with this or with Bureau 13, I, I will use the D100 charts. Uh, let's see. Hardware Hinterlands, I really haven't run a game for, so I haven't run across that situation. 
I've even used the D100 charts in Bureau 13 for Fringeworthy and for other games mm -hmm. because they aren't always of a supernatural origin. There are somewhat mundane things that go on in that chart. I think you'll have like a... I want to say it's called the XYZ Men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you could throw that into any game and just basically say government intervention comes up. Something, if you're running a superhero game, okay, the government comes in and you have to deal with them because they're, they want to monitor your progress as a hero team or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, actually, those charts do work for many other games just besides Bureau 13 and uh, Fringeworthy. Well, you know, another thing I was thinking of is that, you know, us gamers are generally well-read and or uh, we watch a lot of movies or TV shows. So I was thinking one of the things you could do is, you know, you could be honest with your players and say, look, hey, I've got nothing tonight. So I want you guys to each write down a TV show that you like or a movie that you liked or a book that you liked, something that you know I'm familiar with. You know, so if somebody reads out Star Wars, you absolutely know. I mean, everybody knows everyone's familiar with Star Wars. But right. you know, they won't write down something that's obscure or something. I mean, if you know your gamers and players, you, you know each other and you know what you've read and seen and what you're into. So you all write down something and then he would take that pile and pull out of it what he could. So if somebody said, let's say you're playing, I'm just going to say Bureau 13. It's an easy one to do this with. I mean, you can do it with Frenchworthy too, but let's go with Bureau 13. Somebody writes down Battlestar Galactica. And someone else writes down Star Wars, right? So me as a game master, I'm looking at these two things. I'm gonna, these are the two I choose, and I'm going to put these together somehow. So I would say, okay, well, I want some kind of doppelganger. And there's a princess involved. So I think I'm going to go with uh, some kind of changeling that's a princess that is running away from some empire that's trying to capture her. And then that would be the adventure. You know, That's where I would start. And that basically the character, the players would run into their first encounter. You know, the evening would start with some character who was a princess changeling that has come to them somehow for help. So I don't know, maybe she's injured and she comes into the bar that they're in, or maybe she comes to the bureau or whatever the situation is. And then let the adventure run from there. You know, that's, I think that's kind of a neat way to do it because then. I'm going to run it with those two kind of movies in mind, you know, and, and, and let the adventure flow in that direction. So if I'm kind of going with a Star Wars-y thing, she's running from an empire and there's going to be some villain that is kind of reminiscent of Darth Vader or Palpatine or, you know, Darth Maul or whatever. And, um, you know, there's going to be some kind of elite changeling uh, warriors, you know, to represent the Jedi types, you know, and it's just they would delve into this whole new world. And, and it might be even something where I do that kind of as an introductory thing as a random event that I just winged. And that could lead on to a whole big campaign, you know, later down the road. You know, maybe next week I'm like show up and say, hey, you, you guys had a great time with that. So I went ahead and developed this whole sub – this – you know, other dimension that you guys can travel into and you can fight the Empire. It's funny because Star Wars is reminiscent and comes from the old uh, Kurosawa movies. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you could even use, you know, those. The Magnificent Seven, I want to say, also came from... Oh, that was Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai. Oh, yeah. Which later became the Magnificent Fantastic Seven. Fantastic yeah. movie. Yeah. 
so travel let's take that let's take what you just said one step further let's say one of the players puts out star wars but uh, i've seen star wars and i'm familiar with it and everything and i'm looking at it and i'm thinking you know what you know kurosawa films but i like magnificent set i mean i'm sorry seven samurai better i've seen seven samurai i love that movie it's, it's probably one of my favorite movies and let's say I want to do that instead. I mean, you don't have to go with their suggestion. It can be something that leads you to that suggestion, though. Maybe this princess has come to you. you I mean, and maybe you could steal elements from it. This princess has come to you, but she's not really a royal princess. She's the daughter of the head guy of this town in this netherworld uh, that is suffering much the same way that the town and Seven Samurai are. And your characters go there to protect the town. Much, you know, That's what she's asking for. Much the same way that the Seven Samurai did, and that would be that would really be an epic adventure if you if you wanted to pull it off. And and I could see doing that as a wing in it because I mean that's just kind of setting up a town as defenses and having an enemy come in and fight. And that's like a one evening thing that you could do that would be really fun and easy to wing. Oh yeah, and I mean that of course those impromptu adventures. I mean. You have future contacts for your bureau team or your IDET or, you know, if, if it's hardwired hinterlands and you get, you know, you have to land on this environment and this town's there. Some of those impromptu adventures are the best ones to get these future plot threads that you can explore later on. Oh, remember that one shot we did? We can go back. Let's say, you know, they call us back because something else has happened or and we already know the people. So they trust us. And so, right. yeah, I, I found out that those impromptu adventures often lead to some of the best ongoing NPCs and um dynamics with these characters that you just figured oh it's just a one shot and we'll never see them again and some of those end up being your best plot devices that you'll talk about for years to come and it's like and you can look back and go god i thought up of that based on you know a b and c so hey you know we we talked about at one point on one of our shows we talked about another option uh, that's along the similar vein of what we're talking about tonight is that going to your rpg library and pulling out closing your eyes and pulling out two or three GURPS books ah yes i remember that yeah you know trav you you could talk on this best because you're you're our GURPS man you, you talked about it more so than the like the, the rest of it yeah what are your thoughts on that real quick just you know just to re recap on that you could grab like let's see i'm, I'm trying to recall titles there it's been a while since i've worked with GURPS steampunk atlantis and Wild West. Oh, God, I was just thinking of that, but I wasn't yeah. sure if it was going to mix. Oh, sure. creepy. Why not? GMTA, man. Great minds think alike. <laughs> right. and let's, because steampunk and Wild West go hand in hand anyways. Sure. Because it's of the same time period. You could just say that you find Atlantis in the late 1800s. Right. And if you're doing Bureau 13, it could be a time travel adventure. Fringeworthy, a time-regressed world, uh, hardwired hinterlands, because those environs are pulled from all throughout history, it could be an entire environ. Just there it is. You know, Atlanta it, says. Isn't that like New Texas? Or what yeah, kind of like, yeah. Or uh, oh, let me get the name right here. New Old New York. That's uh, what, New York from the 1930s, I think right. it is? And right. everyone lives in the 1930s. They, they, yeah, they, right. They, they reset the clock back to 1929 every 10 years. 
And check this out. You could, if you're playing the Savage Worlds edition, you could pull out Deadlands and oh, yes. you're good oh, to go. Wow. You know, you, you just you say, all right, well, I want to do Wild West, so I'll pull out Deadlands. And, and uh, that's the fringeworthy portal that you walk through. There you go. Or, I mean, and, and this could be even for, like, incursion. You could go to a world that is regressed like that. You know, it is only developed to that point. Or pull one of those... You know, the original series of Star Trek tropes where, um, you know, people landed there and for whatever reason they decided that that was the time period they wanted to live in. And it's been that way for a couple hundred years or or, or maybe the aliens set it up that way so that, that the world was in that time zone. You could do, like you said, uh, with Hardwired Hinterland, that's super easy to do. I could just be an Inveron they hadn't discovered yet. Yeah. You should really take the bull by the horns and go with your craziest ideas if you're winging it. I mean, after all, if you're winging it and everybody knows you're winging it, okay, versus winging it and and being able to fool everybody that they're not. But if you know that you're winging it, then you ought to go for a gusto, man. You ought to go for the craziest (laughs) idea you can come up with. You know, Cthulhu Tech and My Little Pony. (laughs) Just pick something. And if it crashes and burns... Well, you can always pull a Dallas on it, you know, and just say it was a dream or something. You sure you wake up out of the VR machine or something, you know. It's but if it does work, then you've got a whole new horizon, you know, that you can go go b- dipping back into. You've just broken open a a whole new resource that you might be using to really invigorate a campaign. Cool, My Little Pony Cyberpunk. No, Cthulhu Tech. Well, either one. Sure, all three. (laughs) (laughs) And I can tell you right now, you you have not thought of it first. (laughs) Right, absolutely. There's a website. And now I'm scared, John. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I forget who said it, but they've all been done. The question is, how well have they been done? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bruce, you brought up the, you brought up the point about you know you're winging it and you're you fool them into thinking that. Oh, yeah, that I have this plan, and then you wing it, and they know you're winging it. I've gotten some of my best adventures, both within my gaming group and running games at cons, where I've pulled adventures just and just used these methods, like, okay, running through my mental checklist, uh, A, B, and C, throw them together. And I've got nothing but raves for it, and, I, and of course, I'm, I'm me. I'm going to act like, well, yeah, I planned this. You know, just, hey, you know, it's me. And they're like, oh, wow, it was great. And I'm, I get home, I'm like... Oh, thank God it worked. <laughs> well, Fake it till you make it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you know, it, it's amazing that, you know, you think that that's really, that it, the winging it is hard, extremely hard to do, but it's not as hard as you would think because the players help you. Because here's the thing, you know, this is, this is a game of the mind and the players create the world for you anyway. I mean, you tell them what happens, but in their mind, Everybody sees things differently. I'm sure at the end of the night, at, at the end of an adventure, if you could download their mental video of what happened that night, every video would be completely different. Well, not completely different, but every video would be very different from, from the others. At least it would look like a different director did the same movie. You know, and it may even look like two different movies with some people. It's funny you mentioned that, Blix. There's a Farscape episode where – the same instance about a certain event was told by the viewpoints of everybody on the ship. It was from 
Crichton, Dargan, right. Dargo, Aaron, Zan, and uh, Stark. And they all told it from their own viewpoint. And there were enough minor differences. And some of them were outright comical. Right. So, yeah, if every, well, everybody is going to have their, their own point of views. Even when they say, like, in a fight, there's your point of view, his point of view, and the truth. I'll tell you what you're, what you're saying, Trav. If you want to see a live example of that, if you want to see a very good uh, real example of that, go to obsidianportal.com and look up the campaign Star Trek Late Night. That's the campaign that me and my friends run. Okay. We do every, – every, every time we play, it's, it's an episode. So we're on episode 12 right now. Yes. And for every episode, we create a log file. And that log file is what we did in that adventure that night from that character's point of view. And it is hilarious because I read the other guys. Everybody reads each other's logs and stuff and it's so funny how other people saw the adventure. And it's not only just how the player saw the adventure, but we write it as our character saw it. So, like, for example, my character uh-huh. is a bit of an egoist. But I'm not as extreme as the guy Steve's character, who's, who's a su- his character is a super egoist. And it's so funny writing, if you read the two stories, you know, in one story you think my character is in charge, but then you read... Steve's story and his character it sounds like his character is in charge and we you know we both talk about each other as being like a you know uh an idiot (laughs) for the decisions they made it's hilarious but it's a very good example of uh, of that because we don't consult each other with these stories we write them and put them up and I make a point not to read the other people's stories before I write mine because I don't want it to be biased or tainted by right. their their take on the adventure because I don't think that is as fun. We have like 83 followers that follow what we're writing and I don't I I think it's disingenuous to read the other stories and then write my story. I think it's more fun for the people who follow us and read it to get, you know, my perspective untainted. It, it's just really awesome. So if you get a chance, you're listening to this, you get a chance, you want to see what that's like, you know, go over to Obsidian Portal, Star Trek Late Night, check it out. It's it's hilarious. I think that's a great idea. Following back with something that Trav was saying, if you are going to fake it and you want people to believe that you're not faking it, one of the best things you can do is is to get one of the players to shill for you. Hmm. You, know, you come out and you say, "This is what this is what we're doing," and they says, "Oh no! Oh, you've been playing that for weeks. Oh man, you guys better watch out. It's coming down. You, better, you know, get it." <laughs> so you you bring somebody in on the side. Well, you just basically get one of the players, and you tell them, "Hey, man, I don't know what I'm doing here. I need you to like back me up. You know, I'll, you know, I'll get you a, you know, a, an eight pack of wild turkey, whatever it takes. You know, and you get that guy to, or girl to really sell it for you. And then all of a sudden, they think that you've been working on this awesome adventure, and their expectation not only makes them better players, they make you a better GM. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, that's cool. That makes character buy-in. Yeah. Character buying is the number one thing that's necessary on any adventure. Yeah, though I have to say that the biggest clue that you're winging it is that you never ever look at your notes. Right. So you're saying we should always we should be looking at our notes a lot. Otherwise, you just look at the players and they realize, wait a second, he hasn't looked at his notes for the past thirty minutes, and he and we're now into scene three. How does he know what's going on? 
Well, thank you for joining us for another rousing, unexpected adventure of the TriTag Games podcast. We hope that you'll be able to use these ideas to fall back on whenever you're in a situation where you have to improvise. Uh, we hope that uh, we've pointed you at some good resources so that you can prepare yourself for further adventuring of this kind. And we hope that you're in a group where your players are supporting you or you're supporting your GM so that you can all work together to have the most awesome game possible. And we hope you listen have listened to all of our adventures here at the podcast. And if your podcatcher only catches maybe 10 or 15 of our episodes feel free to go back to our pod site, www.tritagsystems.podbean.com and listen to all of our previous adventures, uh, our previous podcasts, where we've talked about gods, alien worlds, dinosaurs, ancient religions, you name it. We're out there. Pirates. You need anything from us, we're on Facebook. We have lots of Facebook groups, the fans of the TriTech Games podcast, and we'd love to answer one of your questions. Please go to iTunes and give us a rating and leave comments there too. Whatever you do, we're here for you. We hope to help to make you wing it and soar high when you do so. And if all else fails, blow something up. But bearing that, we'll be back. Assuming you don't kill us, we'll be back next week. But until then, this is Bruce Sheffer saying... There are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Amber. It's all fun and games until the DM rolls a one. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.